Yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Uh, it, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Y'all don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fired. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch Welcome Pacers fans, you are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 464, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're going to talk the injury to Ben Simmons, uh, the Nate McMillan's future. See what we got in store uh, for him and we're going to look a little bit uh, in depth into the Western Conference playoff picture. Plus, we'll have an undegoogable for you. Joining me this show are all three of our analysts, coast to coast, like butter toast. First, from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? Shout out this week uh, to the chairman of the boards, who, with this new news of Jim Boylan staying on as the Bulls coach is, is rapidly becoming a jumping on the Phoenix Suns bandwagon. <laughs> shout out, Chairman. Undefeated luck, in the we'll bubble. <laughs> uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana, he's our in house bartender mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? It is Thirsty Thursday. You know what to do. And from Boise, Idaho out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What is going on, fellas? Playoffs are so close. So Mm -hmm. close. Well, uh, before we get into the show, I'd like to remind you that you can support us anytime you shop at Amazon. If you just click the link in the show notes or go to theunbeatables.com slash Amazon and uh, do some shopping, a small percentage gets kicked back to us and it helps support what we do so you you guys probably have heard by now but ben simmons has a uh, partially dislocated kneecap and uh i heard reports that there were uh, loose bodies in his uh knee area in his trunk is that what you said what no in his knee those are secured (laughs) (laughs) you gotta strap those down (laughs) Uh, but so he's having a, uh, having a surgery. So it sounds like he'll be out eight or so weeks. Um, Harper, how do you feel? Uh, how bad does this hurt the team? I mean, it's never good. They were already <laughs> having some trouble shaking up their lineup, moving him to four. Uh, and now he's out altogether. Uh, they're lucky in that they've got a couple of other pretty great ball players. But a team that was already a little on the thin side just got a whole lot thinner. So it's definitely not good news if you're a Sixers fan. Should they be start the rebuilding process now? <laughs> I mean, it, it's always plan A in Philly, right? Trust the, <laughs> trust the process. Always trust the, the process. process. Yeah. 
So is is this going to be one of those situations? You know, they, everybody keeps talking about whether uh, you need to trade either Embiid or Ben Simmons because they just can't play together. Is this going to be a situation where um, Ben Simmons goes down and Philly goes on this magical playoff run and uh, Ben Simmons is on the trading block, or is it going to be a situation where this whole thing falls apart and Embiid can't run a team by himself, and now maybe he's on the trading block? Well, I mean, that's the thing. So Embiid can't run a team by himself, right? Just because he's not a ball handler. So that's always the limitation with big guys is that you need to somebody else needs to get them the ball. The silver lining for the Sixers is they have plenty of good <clears throat> basketball players. They don't necessarily have a, a true point guard. Um, Shake Milton's going. I mean, what are you talking Shake about, Milton man? Is going to be what did the ball I do? A lot more and, <clears throat> I wonder if they're going to put the ball in um, <laughs> Tobias Harris's hands more and let him be a creator, distributor, yeah. if he's capable of that. I have no idea. We've got Al Horford at point forward, perhaps. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing that it does do is um, opens up the court a little bit more for Embiid to operate, right? Because Simmons is not a good shooter, so at least you can put one more shooter on the floor. But uh, do they have shooters on their especially team? Especially crunch time. Like sure, they're deep. I mean, they got Alex Burks and they've got a Burke and a Burks. Yeah, I feel like everybody they they that roster is deeper than you think. Like you look at their roster and you're like, how is this team not number one in the league? Well, because know. none of their parts fit, right? Like Tobias Harris and and Ben Simmons play the same position, and so does Al Horford. Like they just got like, are they going to start running the monster lineup of Embiid, Horford? and Harris like they were at the beginning of the season like which that doesn't create the spacing that you're talking about um I don't know Horford was looking good coming off the bench potentially but I you know I don't know I and and I'm not convinced that they have enough guards if you're starting Shake Milton you know I mean they're gonna need things from Mike Scott right and like (laughs) and Josh Richardson who hasn't really showed up yeah, I mean, sure, but you know, moving out Horford thins out the bench rotation. I I just I don't know. I'm a little nervous for them, but Embiid is a top ten guy in the league. He can do all kinds of stuff. He can do forty uh, and twenty on the Pacers. You know, I, I'm telling yeah. you. I mean, the the thing that doesn't give you confidence if you're a Sixers fan is the guy um, at the helm, Brett Brown. I mean, I don't have confidence that he's going to be able to figure it out if he hasn't already figured it out this season and they came into the the bubble with a whole new plan right. of how they're gonna do things i mean they've been tinkering with this lineup all year long anyway so um and i mean this is a guy that that allows Embiid to drift out and shoot 26 footers and all this kind of stuff and i don't know i mean i think it might sort of be a nice excuse for the the Sixers brass to to replace Brett Brown you know assuming that uh this leads to so as the playoffs stand now the Sixers would play the Celtics in the first round right and I don't think there's any way even with Simmons well I mean with Simmons they definitely have a chance but Boston plays super well 
and I I wouldn't have put money on them getting past the Celtics Correct. with Simmons, you know. Yeah. And now I think it's, you know, borderline sweet situation. Yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons may Ben Simmons may have his shortcomings, but this year he averaged over 16 points a game to go along with uh, almost eight rebounds and eight assists, a couple steals a game. Uh, that's, that's just a lot to replace. He's a heck of a ball uh, player, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's not as if this was a super dominant team to begin with. I mean, I agree. It seems like they probably should have been better than they were most of this year. Um, people were picking them like to come this, out of the East before the season. Yeah. And people uh-huh. still hedged their bets. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, maybe not after this, this Simmons injury, but people were still saying, oh, well, if they can go on a run, you know. They're still the most talented team in the, you know, I mean, I, they just haven't shown it. They show it in flashes, right? You can watch a Sixers game. If you catch the right six minutes, then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I see this. Mm-hmm. If you catch the wrong six minutes, you're like, <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah. I just feel like more adversity is probably not what this team needs to bring it together. But <laughs> Fair. That's prove me wrong, Philly. <laughs> well, um, what I would like to root for is that this, uh, the loss of Ben Simmons galvanizes them um, and that they go on a brief uh, winning streak um, at the end of this bubble period and they get themselves into the uh, fifth seed and we get to play them in the first round. Not likely. But... But the, but then that the, that galvanization just falls apart in the. It's a two it's a two part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like once they start playing us and we just you know <laughs> break their confidence pretty sure, quickly. Sure. You know, all those forty and twenties really get you down, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to maintain a high level of confidence when you're only getting forty and twenty. <laughs> Who's just roping dope him the first time? <laughs> let him wear himself out <laughs> 40 and 20. And then we'll make our move. All right. So it seems it seems like this gets them out of the uh, – no, no one's picking them to go out of the first round of the playoffs at this point. It's hard to, but, again, like you said, like this team is quite mercurial, so we could very well see that – the product on the floor is like way better in these last three games. And well, and Embiid you know, is and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, Oh, it makes sense. Sometimes, sometimes having too much talent, too many guys to fit on the floor is a problem, especially come playoff time when you want to tighten your rotation to eight or nine at the most, you know, if you're, if you're trying to squeeze in 10 minutes for, you know, whatever one of the burke burks or whatever at the end of the bench like <laughs> it, it can it can be a, a detriment to your team rather than a help but now if you if you need burke burks to play 15 solid minutes every night then that's good he knows that's coming and can be prepared and all that kind of stuff yeah we've seen i mean not this is certainly not the same uh talent level but like usa basketball you know i feel like those guys they they have the best level of talent on the floor usually but their uh results as of late have not been uh the best in the world yeah and maybe the best hope for philly is that getting down to one leader one voice in the locker room right 
and one dominant player on the floor, right? Let's just run yeah. everything through Embiid and let him dominate. I mean, he's he is the most devastating big man in the league at this point, right? Um, when he's focused, and if you just say you're the focus of the team, maybe he can light up the bubble. Yeah, I, don't I mean, know about who that. wouldn't want a leader that you know publicly berates a rookie point guard five minutes into his first start? That's, I mean, leadership you can count on. What yeah. could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and and look, man, I think Dwight Howard can cause a lot of destruction too. <laughs> like the bad kind, though. <laughs> <laughs> Curious about this good kind of destruction. Yeah. yeah, Joey, can you list your five movies. most destructive forces in the NBA? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, so Jason Kidd would be one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> currently coaching the Lakers. Right. This is right, yeah. All time, but he's currently coaching the Lakers. Uh, Rajon Rondo. Yeah, mm. the Lakers got two of them. Mm. Three of them? Uh, yeah, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. Yep, they got three of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't bode well for the Lakers. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, uh, Carmelo Anthony. Mm. I think he's he can be quite destructive. He's a he's a new person. That's what it seems like. Yeah, um, he, Joey's talking about Carmelo Anthony, not Hoodie mm. Mellow. Okay, gotcha. It's fair. Uh, and Paul George would, of course. Yeah, playoff P. There you yeah, go. Playoff, playoff P. Yeah. Honorable mention for Chris Paul. I mean, Joey's I, coming around on Chris Paul. He's coming around. I don't. The way don't he's leading those it's OKC a very, it's a, it, <laughs> Thunder. It's a it's a very exclusive list. <laughs> so when uh, the mayor of Oklahoma City declares it's Chris Paul Day, uh, are you going to be at the signing ceremony? <laughs> I will be there. Uh, I will be there for sure, a hundred percent. You will zoom in and Chris. And Chris Paul will be there uh, with a contract for another team in his hand, probably. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. <laughs> oh, and Clutch will have a little tear in his eye. <laughs> Clutch? No. They've got the uh, Bison guy. Oh, cl- yeah. Cl- yeah, cause, yeah, that's right. Rumble, okay. God, I can't. I, yeah, Chris Paul just keeps... Uh, you got to pay attention when I put these things together, man. <laughs> <laughs> so rumble the bison yeah okay he'll have some uh, tears in his beard <laughs> so speaking of destructive forces uh mm-hmm. the indiana pacers uh, have been employed uh nate mcmillan for how long has it been has it been four five we years near four, four. Now, I mm-hmm. okay there has been some uh, uh, discussion or some rumors saying that, that he might be in the hot seat. Uh, you know, I think that the team, you know, we've got uh, a, a pretty loaded, a good load of talent, you know. Uh, and, you know, the we've not hit, you know, deep, a deep run in the playoffs in a, in a while. Um, Colson... Do you think that there's any chance that he gets fired? Or is there anybody out there you'd rather have coaching? Or like, if you're in the ownership uh, or you know GM, uh, do you, do you see that this is a possibility, or do you think now's not the right time? 
he's under contract for another year, so yeah. So you, you got to pay the man, right? So you just threw a lot at me. I'm gonna start with this. This this <laughs> came from uh, Zach Lowe, uh, Zach Lowe podcast. He was interviewing uh, Jeff Van Gundy, um, and Zach Lowe says uh, all the Pacers do under Nate McMillan is win. Um, and then Van Gundy said, "I've had two people come up to me since I've been here and say, you know, Nate McMillan is in trouble. Uh, it's been the hottest rumor all season. It's been a rumor wow. all season long." So, um, that's where this kerfuffle comes from. I think, I'm not sure you can blame a lot of what's happened on Nate McMillan, right? Like, I think um, he is, in fact, uh, since we've had Oladipo, uh, we've been pleasantly surprised how uh, well this team has played. And um, the first uh, uh, season with Oladipo, we took... uh, LeBron James uh, Cavs to seven games. They went on to go to the finals. The next year, uh, we lost Oladipo um, to uh, injury, and we got swept. Um, And then this has been a very odd year, um, and uh, we're four and one in the bubble right now. So, uh, and and we were kind of on pace for what uh, you know the league expected us to do, and I think what we expected us to do to win right below fifty games. And I think if, a, if the season had been, you know, played out in full, we would have kind of done that. Um, I think as, as fans, we still expect there's a chance to get out of the first round. Um, I'm not sure. And I think as, as a collective, we've moved from really hating on Nate and a lot of his sort of stodgy stuff and kind of come to accept that he's pretty good at building a culture um, and, uh, you know, demands a lot out of his guys. And, and the guys tend to um, – produce they tend to develop under Nate and even if he doesn't have the most exciting uh, out of bounds plays I feel like we've sort of come to appreciate what Nate brings to the table um, I definitely don't think if we I mean, if we get swept in the first round of this thing maybe we can talk about it but I, I think I think this guy's got a contract for another year and I think you wait for that does I, everybody I'm, I'm seeing disagreement from Harper's face quite a bit and disappointment, too. And disappointment. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's really disagreement. I'm just easily confused by how the Pacers deal with head coaches, I guess. Like, because what happened? What happened that wasn't supposed to happen here, right? I mean, I feel like we're within the limits of, you know, where we were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you include the bubble, I think you have to be very impressed with the player development that's been happening with the team. But even before that, with how quickly Domas came along, right. uh, I think Aaron Holiday deserves credit for that, and Aaron Holiday and T.J. Warren since you know the bubble restart. Yeah, like, I feel like this is where I was with Frank Vogel too. Like I just I don't understand where the heat's coming from now. I would have understood the heat two years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But I mean. It, it seems like he should have a little job security right now. Um, I think there's – I continue to believe that there's better coaches out there, but it just seems like it, – it would just be odd timing for me unless we did get swept out of the first round, you know? Yeah. Is he in the first year of his contract or the second year? Uh, so I think he, he did uh, two years and then got an extension for three. So I think this would be the second year of his extension. The second year of that extension. Okay, that makes more sense. My uh, my initial thinking was that he did three years and then re-upped for three more, and thus he would be in the first year, and that then didn't make any sense to me at all. But this makes a little bit more sense. The thing that I can 
maybe pull away from this is that one looks at McMillan's coaching style and I think there's a ceiling on the um, the achievement level of teams coached by Nate McMillan, right? What he does is he he gets his guys to buy in and play hard on the defensive end, play solid on the offensive end, and grind out games, right? And that leads to a lot of regular season wins. What's hard in that situation, and we've talked about this, this is a, a, a problem for the Pacers going back you know, years, I guess, is that when you're a hardworking um, uh, NBA team, it's hard to shift into another gear when you get to the playoffs, when everybody else steps it up. You know, we were talking in Monday show about, you know, LeBron and AD have another gear. Like, they're going to step it up in the playoffs. The Pacers typically don't have that, right? Because we put effort on the floor every night, which is something that we appreciate about appreciate about this team but then the 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 level of jump into the playoffs is a bit uh less drastic and that sort of puts a limit on how far you can go but isn't that just a comment about superstars i mean we don't have like if our guys are putting out the most effort they can every night then this is what we can produce and so really that's a comment about the level of talent we have on our team Correct. Like if well, if we had Durant so, and LeBron playing every night and putting out maximum effort, we'd be winning sixty five games a season, right? But if you think if if we're saying that T J Warren and Oladipo and you know and Sabonis are putting out the max effort they can right now, then we're just a forty five to fifty win team, right? And well, forty five so to fifty I win mean, teams don't go to the finals very often. Right, right, right. So what I mean by that is that rather than um, schematize your way to playing basketball at a really high level, skill-wise and um, whatnot. You instead play a style of basketball where you, you muck it up and every game is kind of close and you figure out how to win games in the, in the last little bit, which is decent, but I think there's a ceiling on that, right? And that this is just one hypothesis of what maybe you know, Pritchard, Buchanan, Bird, you know, Walsh, whatever the brain trust uh, in the Pacers front office is, maybe thinking. The other thing, of course, to consider is, as you mentioned, superstars, right? Does this indicate something about the relationship between Oladipo and McMillan, right? Oladipo's mm. coming into his final year next year. Um, you know, do you... One of the things that we know in Pacerland is you got to try to keep your superstars happy, or they fly to the first city that's going to give them a you know key to the city and give them a day of the year. You know, Oladipo doesn't strike me as a coach killer, <laughs> you know. But if there is a strained relationship, I can imagine that um, the brass would be would probably pick Oladipo over coach, wouldn't you think? I don't think there has to be a strained relationship even. I mean, I think if Victor believes in his heart of hearts that we could do better with our head coach, I mean, I think that that is something that the team would probably want to make sure that they address sure. before it comes time for him to hit free agency. 
I mean, you know, what, what Nate, Nate, you know, apparently Nate is, is, is very tough behind the scenes. He's, he demands a lot from his players. Um, he, you know, um, as far as discipline, as far as, um, you know, workouts and, um, you know, what you end up with, you're right, is, is a disciplined, hardworking team that's low turnovers, high assists, share the ball. Um, and we appreciate low turnovers and high assists and sharing the ball. That's great. And we appreciate scrapping it up and, and um, you know, active hands and all that stuff. I, you know, I, I feel like he's done a, a fine job. I think he's done he, – I think he's um, outpaced our expectations um, when, when he first got hired. I mean, I will agree with that. I don't know if that's saying a lot, though. Um, if he hadn't exceeded our expectations, he definitely wouldn't have gotten a contract extension. Right. So to, to get back to this point of, like, a ceiling on his capability. So if you look not just at the Pacers' um, coaching career, uh, McMillan in his whatever this is, tenure as as coach of uh, the Pacers, Portland, and Seattle has made the play led teams to the playoffs eight times and once has gotten out of the first round. That tracks with what we're seeing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean I agree with you. I mean he he is a fine coach. He's a fine coach. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, yeah, he's a fine coach. But he's not one of the <laughs> five to six coaches that matter, right? No. And so. No, and if he get in, in the Eastern Conference, he's got the edge on uh, Brett Brown. Solid. Right. But I not, mean, not Nurse, not Spolstra. Not right, exactly. Bud. Not the top four teams in the right. East, right? And not, Definitely, uh, and not Brad Stevens. Yeah, he's got Boylan. Yeah, he's yeah. got Boylan. Deep. So basically, the four teams that are ahead of us in the standings are the are, are the four better coaches. All have coaches that matter. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Damn it. It's <laughs> probably a coincidence, right? Is, I'm not liking this realization. Would you guys stop this right now? <laughs> and I mean, I'm with I'm. I think I'm with Harper on this. Like, I did like. He hasn't done anything wrong right. to deserve this sort of um, uh, sort of rumor at some level. Um, in fact, he's done quite well. I think he, I think you're, you're right. He's this team has outpaced performance um, the past two or three years, and this year, you know, he's showing quite well. This year, especially with all the adversity that he faced, like um, and people down, you know poo-pooing the, the, the Pacers. Oh, yeah, the Pacers were going to make games, the playoffs, cetera, right? you know, because Old Depot right. wasn't coming back till February or whatever. Exactly, right. Uh, he just turned Sabonis into an all-star, no sweat. I mean, he completely changed the offense to make this mm-hmm. thing work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, unless, and, and now you're making me scared that Old Depot doesn't like him, but um, if that's the case, then I don't know if you have a choice. But but I, mean, I guess you I can. I think Old Depot likes everybody, but that doesn't mean that you're maximizing. I mean, this is a business, and that doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're maximizing production. Sure. Right. I don't think it's a personal thing. Um, well, he, yeah. Who do you want? Fizz. Boylan's off the market. <laughs> Man. <laughs> we could, uh, like an unproven coach, you know, uh, Becky Hammond, I think, is. Sure. Mm-hmm. 
Mark Jackson, Mark ja- very Mark available. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Loves Mark Jackson. Bring him back. He built the cake that is the Warriors. What about uh, Lance Stevenson as player coach? (laughs) (laughs) That is a guy that will get his players motivated. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) So much air guitar at halftime. That's right. Yeah, that would motivate me. I think the proof will be in the pudding this year, right? I mean, it's a weird year. Um, Pacers are as competitive as any team in the bubble right now. Let's see if, if he gets out of the first round. If the Pacers get out of the first round, I think his job's got to be safe for next year. Right? Yeah, I would think so. Um, if it's not, then we know that Oladipo hates him. You know, <laughs> we'll wait and see. My, I guess my the way I see this is like I I don't the Pacers I I don't think have ever shown the interest in uh, as an organization in in. Uh, cutting these coaches early and, and paying them for, uh, you know, cutting them before the contracts. Oh, done. I see what you're saying. Yeah, like they're like, look, they're on the hook to pay this guy. They're gonna they're gonna pay the guy, and that's the end and of the story. They're gonna get labor for it, right? Yeah. What, what we mean, have done in the past is cut people mid season in the last year of a coach's contract. Like that's as close as we've come. Right. Yeah, you're so right. So you're predicting that Nate makes it to the All Star break next year? Is that what's happening? <laughs> That's right now? the new prediction. Sure. I'm I mean, be right before All Star Saturday night in Indianapolis. <laughs> 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 you think no, it happens I mean, think, like during All Star weekend? Well, he's in the building. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They'll have a little ceremony on the floor for him. It'll be great. I think you've got to. I mean, even if we don't get out of the first round, but have a nice showing. Um, you know, he lost his all-star to injury and that guy might not come back. Like there's, I mean, I know that there's always excuses, right? But like, he's not had his full team. The one year he had his full team, you know, we were a shot away from upsetting the team that went on to the finals. So. Was that the closest sweep in history? Which one was that? No, that was the 16-17. That was. uh, Okay. uh, With Paul George at the helm. Right. When he yelled at. Uh, CJ Miles for shooting a, a three pointer. That was our right. best three point shooter on the team. That was Nate's first season. Yeah. Yeah. Closest sweep yeah, in history. Yeah, so right, the six right. game series before, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So the closest sweep in history was his first year. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like I said, PG is chumps. So <laughs> I don't blame Nate for that. All right. I don't know that we have a consensus on. Uh, on what's going on with Nate. I, I I don't feel like anyone's come up with uh any overwhelming evidence that he should be canned and uh Nope. You know, particularly while he's under contract. Yeah, I mean my my primary feeling right now is it's sort of an unfair time for Zach Rowe to Zach Lowe to put that rumor on the street, right? Like our team is achieving at a high level. Like don't really need this distraction right now. If it was true three months ago, it's less true today probably. So Yeah. Right. Thanks, mm-hmm. Zach. Yeah. I think we're blaming Hold Jeff on. Van Gundy for that more than Zach. Somebody's on the hook. I I, I just <laughs> I would need, rather listen. I, I need I answers. I think I could take uh, Jeff Van Gundy in a fight. I just don't think I could take Zach Lowe in a fight. <laughs> I don't know, man. I put some money on this. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Stan Van gets some momentum going at you. You might be in trouble. No, but it's yeah, Jeff. Because you got to take guy. on both the brothers, bro. Oh, oh, good call. Yeah. <laughs> good call. 
Plus, I'm he's going to call in his boy Goga. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I think it's time to take a break. Uh, in the second half, we will uh, talk about the Western Conference. And we'll uh, do it under Google. Before we get into those topics I mentioned before, I do want to give you my stat of the week. Joey, stat of the week! This one, it's a dual stat of the week. It's a twofer. Uh, the first one, it's uh, NBA team shooting percentage. This is as, uh, as of August 9th, but the Pacers, number one in the league, 47.8% uh, for uh, field goal percentage which uh, I think fits our style. Trying to be efficient because we're not going to get the bajillion possessions like some of the other teams. Um, Number two are the Lakers. Um, You've got Milwaukee, Denver, and San Antonio behind there. Um, And then the other one, I think, was it Colson? Maybe you mentioned this when you wanted to see where they were, but it's uh, team turnovers per game. Do you know where they're at, Colson? Um, I'm guessing we're in the top five. Nailed it. We are number five. Nice. Uh, so you are correct. We are at 13.1 per game. That's awesome. Uh, behind, behind San Antonio, the league-leading team, with 12.4. And you've got Dallas, Orlando, and Portland in between. Can you tell me what the uh, the 30th team in the league is on that one? Yep. That is Cleveland at 16.5. So that's an extra three that they give up per game. So those are two good categories. And, uh, you know, Pacers are, are, you know, at the top or near the top in in both of them. So you think all the credit should go to McMillan on that one? Uh, Yes. And also TJ Warren. For just lighting well, it so, up. Yeah, so I was going to say the interesting stat is if you take T.J. Warren out, <laughs> Pacers actually fall to 31st in the NBA. <laughs> That's how good he has been. Yep. And also, the Lakers have been the worst offense in the bubble, right? So did they, is that what dropped them to number two? Were they yeah, currently yeah. first? Be- Most. They're first before we started the bubble? Yeah. Their last three games, they're... Um, their shooting percentage is uh, under 41%. So mm. they are certainly down. 
Anyway, that's what we got for this week. Uh, next up, the Western Conference playoff picture. Uh, a lot of this stuff is is set in stone. But Colson, I think you you wanted to talk a little bit about the lower end of the bracket, uh, where people were and uh, you know where you thought they might end up. Well, uh, the reason I bring it up is because it's a complete um, shit show. Um, it's all just a mess. <laughs> and and uh, you're going to be listening to this, uh, dear listener, on Thursday, where um, every one of these teams is going to be playing, and all of these games are going to potentially decide uh, the uh, matchup of 8-9, um, which is going to be a play-in game in the West. We're not going to get one out East, but... Um, so as we record, uh, we have the Grizzlies in eighth. Um, the Trailblazers are a game behind. The Suns are just a half game behind the Blazers. They're tied with the Spurs, and the Pelicans are just a half game behind them. So that's five teams playing for two spots to go into a play-in to get one spot. <laughs> so who's going to be playing Portland? <laughs> mm. So you're all in on Portland, are you, Harper? course i mean i know it's your team but like uh you know like this evening they're going to be playing the 76ers um do we assume that they're just gonna beat them because there's no ben simmons as we talked about earlier um that's gonna be a tough tough game Um, i mean they've looked pretty good in the bubble they've won three of five including you know real tough loss against the clippers the grizz are in front of them have lost four or five in the bubble right they had a huge cushion coming in they don't uh, anymore. <laughs> yes, they do not have a cushion anymore. Um, what's interesting is the Grizzlies, I think, have the best percentage chance of holding on to the eighth spot just because of um, what a lead they had. But um, it's possible they don't even get into the play-in game uh, because the Suns are um, literally on fire. Um, literally. They're a sun. <laughs> They're... Um, Someone but, should really address that. <laughs> but uh, someone put them out. Uh, they do play it back back to the beginning of the week. By the time you're hearing this, you'll know how that turns out. Uh, but there's, uh, they have climbed their way into the conversation. Um, as you listen to this um, Thursday uh, night, the uh, Spurs are going to be playing the Jazz. Um, the Grizzlies are going to be playing the Bucks, who are probably going to be. Uh, resting people, although we don't know. I mean, they don't, they don't have anything to play for. Um, the Trailblazers are going to be playing the Nets, which should be a guaranteed win. Uh, the Pelicans should be playing the Magic, which who knows? It depends on which Magic team shows up. And then the Suns are playing the Mavericks. So all of those games are um, going to be pivotal to to see how this ends up does anybody have a prediction on what this looks like you're saying trailblazers in the eight seed harper and somebody's going to be playing them maybe the suns i i think portland will hold it together you know i think memphis will probably find a way with a two-game cushion and uh you know three games to play essentially they'll probably find a way to to eke that out uh, i think well, they have a two-game uh, cushion on the Pelicans. Mathematically, that it's going to be Memphis, Portland, one way or another. Right? Yeah, mathematically, that is that is the most. But again, you've got you know, you've got fourteen or three teams sitting behind them, a half game, and then a whole game behind. Now, the Pelicans 
don't have to catch the Grizzlies with two games, with three games remaining. They just have to catch the, the Blazers, but if the Blazers keep winning, it looks like the Pelicans might be on the outside looking in. And one of the reasons they made this play-in tournament was to, to – um, uh, so that the fans could see Zion playing the Lakers in the first round. Um, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. No, it doesn't. Um, I mean, I think that, yeah, so it's good. So the Grizzlies are playing the Celtics and the Bucks are the two games that they have left. They're, they're actually one and five in the bubble. So yeah, far. it's not good. And they were given, uh, now you you had to choose from your remaining game. So the the Grizzlies schedule pre-COVID shutdown was going to get super tough anyway. Mm-hmm. And so this might have been a possibility, but um the extra time allowed Portland to get back key guys, Nurkic primarily amongst them. Um and they are playing some really good ball. I mean, the the two games that they lost, they they lost a tough one to the Clips and they lost a really tough one to the the Celtics um, where they came back and, and made it super close at the end. Um, yeah, it was an exciting game. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, and San Antonio is trying to keep their playoff streak going. So they're motivated or whatever. Um, yeah. I think the most likely thing is it's, it's Portland and Memphis dueling off for uh, that last playoff spot. Um but I mean, do you think the Grizzlies can win either of those games? I mean, I guess if if the Bucks are rusting everybody in the final game, but there's no way they're beating the Celtics, right? I wouldn't think so, but um, maybe the Celtics are resting guys too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think one possibility is uh, motivation wise is it's uh, the bubble seems to be the safest place in America right now, and uh, you might be scared to to leave. <laughs> that's the motivation yeah extra. Be, say look if you get sent home you're back in in, uh, in harm's way so keep that in mind you know sure well I'm rooting for the Suns just because they've been um, I would love them to just sweep uh, the bubble be the only team that sweeps it because it was the team that like nobody felt like should have been invited you know them along with the uh, the Wizards um, I'd love them to just come in and and uh, have a chance to lose to the Blazers in a in a playoffs. I suppose it'd be fun. <laughs> so you don't want the you don't want you don't feel bad for Memphis having been like <laughs> basically set up for failure. This whole thing. <laughs> I mean, look, like John Morant would be fun to watch in the first round. I guess. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. And and, and the Grizzlies the, were one of the great stories in the pre bubble, right? You know, right. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's let's let the Grizzlies in the trailer. Let, now we get to let them. I think this this the, you know this evening will decide a lot of I'll those allow things. It. But, but yeah, um, so if you are the eighth seed, um, you play the ninth seed, and if you win, then you get to move on um, to the playoffs. If you lose that game to the ninth seed. Then there's a second game, um, and if the eight seed wins that, then they get to move to the playoffs. So it's it's really weighted. Um, the ninth seed has to win both games to move into the mm-hmm. playoffs. Um, yeah. So it's it's going to be quite a task for um, you know anybody, even you know a Trailblazers, 
anybody trying to challenge an eight seed, it's going to be tough. Yeah, Portland's got some work to do. Yeah. yeah. Let's get it done. Go Blazers. Bold statement, Colson. And like I said, these, Even these teams I... could be completely different by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I, I do guess uh, that, y- you know, if one of the you know top 25 Pacers of all time is, uh, you, you know, uh, going to go to the playoffs on the Blazers, then, you know, you're going to root for them. It's Dame time. Mm-hmm. It's Dame time. <laughs> This list is more fluid than I thought it was. And I say that every time we talk about the list. <laughs> Just super fluid. Yep. It's almost a gas at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> super well, heated well gas. Barely condensed. All right. I heard we have an undegoogable coming out of DC this week. Is that right? Oh, are we doing under Google Bulls? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to. So. <laughs> you said, said, said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. Yeah. I, I was surprised we hadn't done this one yet. Um, and maybe we have, and we'll discover it as we uh, work our way through this under Google Ball. But so... Uh, Jill, the other day we were out and we were going to get back and, and she said, I, I, you know, when we get home, I'm making a beeline for the, the bathroom. Uh, beeline. What is it? What is a beeline? Where does that phrase come from? What's going on? I assume it's about uh, honeybees. Okay. They just... They just do- and be- do, do bees make lines uh, the most direct route from flower to flower i think that's the that's the bee line okay how sure are you about that um and how many bees have you if you watch fly <laughs> that's sort of my thing right joey it's like uh bees are notorious like they do dances and all kinds of crazy stuff to give directions like not super famous for picking the most direct route for me to be right because that, that was our theory as well, is it's the bees come back to the hive. They're like, look, man, I know where there is great nectar. Let's go get it. And then they go straight to it or something like that. Mm. But, yeah, I agree. I don't know that they actually make a – I don't know how good they are at homing. And going I know they swarm me in, like, circles and circles and circles. And, like, you can walk, like, a half a block away and they're still following you. So that doesn't seem like mm-hmm. they're – that focused you don't think that's where the phrase comes from do you what from from swarming you yeah short for beeline to colson <laughs> yeah it probably goes back further than than uh you know me yeah i mean everything is about me and everything does surround me but maybe not this <laughs> phrase yeah. do we, can we think of any alternative uh yeah, no, I, I feel like I know this. I feel like it's a geometry thing, right? It's the it's a geology thing. No, okay. geometry thing. So geometry. So it's like A, B, and C in a triangle or whatever, and then okay. there's 
and I don't I don't know which one it is, but like I feel like on a if you have a compass or whatever, like you there's an A and a C, and then you find the B line through some math thing, and it's always a straight line through the middle of the um, uh, triangle. You took about a like the different geometry class than I did. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't remember this? Like there's like this must be what it's like. Oh, they, it's like the B, line, the, the, the B line splits the the triangle in exactly half, Is or something it just like a bisection. Yeah, it's a bisection a thing. Yeah. So okay, so so like you're navigating. You're like, okay, there's a mountain over there. Yeah. And there's a mountain over there. And, and then I and then I have my compass go the through the B. Yeah, that's my B yeah. line. So I'm I'm fairly sure that B line is spelled B E E L I N E. It's not like B dash line. Right? Okay, so that was going to be another question because I don't know that I've seen it written. Oh, so you don't think it's like hyphenated? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Well, what if it's? Are you sure it's that way? Because like, what if it's like the like some New York thing where like the the B line bus is like the fastest, mm. it's the most oh. direct route from Midtown to downtown or something? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. that's the a train yeah. i'm saying it's it's uh it's a compass geometry thing what are the and, protractor and so, okay, that's so what i'm looking for based protractor. on based on spelling you're pretty confident that it's a a bee a honeybee situation i do i i actually think it may be that even though bees like spend a lot of time flying around doing weird dances once they've done so then they would at that point, right. navigate together from a point A to a point B on something approximating a straight line. Yeah, yeah. I think going home, there's no, you know, no, no stopping, no de- no detours. Once you've got your, you know, pollen on your legs, you, you've got one job, and it's to get home. I mean, I don't waste yourself. any time at that point. I don't stop at the no. bar. No. You got to get home and work yourself to death, like now. Yeah. You got to get home and. Barf up that nectar. <laughs> um, okay, and when do we think this uh, terminology came into to parlance? Like this is an American thing, and the from farmers and the beekeepers, the, 50, the 40s or something. How long have has like beekeeping been a thing? I, I think that's like I think ancient, ancient Egypt. Yeah, like at least. Yeah, I was kind of thinking Egyptians as well. <laughs> I'm gonna go. It's but I don't the, know um, if they came up with the term. I'm gonna go it started it's with the Greeks. It was the beta line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go um, uh, 1600s uh, sailing. <laughs> okay, going you with it's your maritime. Maritime. Uh, it's a protractor. Situation. It's a compass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I learned an interesting thing, speaking of maritime. Uh, so uh, the sauce, the red sauce, you know, that you put on noodles, uh, was uh, originally developed at sea. It was what the, the sailors used, and that's why it's called marinara. Huh. Because it was, uh, I had never put that together. No, that's cool. Nah, I assumed it was some Italian stuff. Huh. I mean, it is, but. It's the Italian Mariners. Must be some kind of cognate for maritime or something close shared. Well, but the marine, the root, the marine. Yeah, I never put that together. Okay, we th- okay. Well, we got that one. We nailed marinara. 
seeing spelling as both ways, uh, hyphenated and unhyphenated. Uh, are you seeing B dash line or B E E? Uh, no, B E E. Okay. Uh, I'm seeing early 19th century with reference to the straight line, supposedly taken instinctively by a B when returning to the hive. Hmm. I'm also so the B lining is yeah. uh, the ancient art used to locate feral bee colonies. Is performed by capturing and marking foraging worker bees and releasing them from various points to establish, oh my god, by trigonometry, the d- mm. direction uh, and distance of the colony's home. Oh. So maybe trigonometry. trigonometry instead of geometry? Damn it, I was so yeah. close. Uh, the earliest. Uh, uh, of the phrase is from the Davenport Daily Leader, January 1808. Gustav Stingle Sr. of Rock Island was thrown from his sleigh on 3rd Avenue in that city yesterday afternoon. The horse became frightened and turned abruptly, ripping the cutter. The horse made a beeline for home. You said 1808, was that right? 1808. Although it was probably, it looks like, in common usage already. Mm-hmm. Probably. Hmm. There was also a beeline railroad in Indiana. Was it the fastest way to get downtown? <laughs> I doubt it. No. <laughs> Bees don't actually make the most direct path back to their um, hive but it came uh, the phrase came around before science figured out how bees work <laughs> essentially no i mean i think it is that they go directly back oh, okay i'm just reading something else yeah although true. i I don't, I don't know a whole lot about bee navigation techniques but there may be like waypoints or something right like it would be otherwise mm. straight but for pre-existing waypoints that they use to navigate by mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah but I think, yeah, I think, yeah, and then you can use that as a tool if you're uh, trying you're to, with your, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can, you can use that as a, uh, 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 I'm trying to find another word, it's not working. Uh, <laughs> Got y'all locked in, don't I? <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> but you can use their behavior against them if you are uh, uh, beelining. You just use just add their behavior plus a little elementary tri- trigonometry and booyah! You got yourself uh, some, some honey. Bees. I don't really I feel like uh, Pooh Bear was good at trigonometry. You think it was Eeyore was the the math guy? <laughs> maybe maybe Piglet. What, what was Piglet's deal? He was in, incredibly was afraid of everything, but also incredibly yeah. loyal to Pooh. So like okay. he'd get talked into doing stuff he didn't want to do because he loved Pooh so much. That was his thing. That was his character arc. Right. Okay. And occasionally he'd get to do something courageous, which would help his, his fear stuff. It's easy to like self-esteem issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
I'm glad I got over that. Should we should right. we break down psychologically all of the Winnie the Pooh characters? I mean, or is that not a different day, but that's a different show for sure. But uh, this is gonna get deep. All right, team. Uh, you got anything else uh, for this show? Does anybody have any predictions on how many hundreds of points T.J. Warren will score this week? Mm. <laughs> mm, two, two hundreds. So, so three games three. left. <laughs> He's gonna tie Wilt in every game. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> but not beat him out of respect. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would be amazing. It's gonna take him OT in one of them. All right, team. Well, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, you can hit us up on social media if you uh, want to get in touch with us. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Unbeatables. We're on Facebook.com/slash The Unbeatables. Our website, theunabeatables.com. Uh, there's a contact form there. You can send us a message or send us an email. Shout out at theunabeatables.com. You can review us wherever you're listening or pick up a t-shirt at uh, the website slash store. For our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Sick Leonard, now in the Hall of Fame. Oh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Turn out the lights. The party's <laughs> over. Solid. Perfect. Nailed it. Curveball. Curve Nailed it. You got to do like Joey. You got to write it down and put it on your screen and just read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have no chance without that. When I said earlier in the show that I was going to build a cake, I just all I could think of was I should probably be on Nailed It because I think you're supposed <laughs> to bake a cake. <laughs> There's like some construction going on. Yeah, Sometimes. Yeah. Some of those are very those elaborate. Like stabilizer straws yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. You build a bear and bake a cake. <laughs>